KBLA Talk 1580. Joining us now, Senior Vice President of the Hollywood Bureau of the NAACP. He's responsible for advancing NAACP Hollywood's projects, relationships, and overseeing the NAACP Image Award production. Kyle Bowser is my guest this hour. Good morning. Good morning, Dominique. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great to be speaking with you. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like you've worked at just about every level um, in Hollywood, right? You've been an executive, you've been on stage, you've been on screen, you've worked in film, TV, music, theater, radio, <laughs> digital media. Uh, so, so Sounds like I can't keep a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you got a lot of them. But, um, you know, it, so it's it's a unique perch that you have as senior VP of the Hollywood Bureau of the NAACP, right? And when it comes to what is understanding what is needed. Yeah, you know, sometimes in life you you get into a situation that just feels right. And after spending so many years working um, in the industry, as you said, in various capacities, um, at this stage of my life and my career to be able to dedicate whatever it is that I've learned um, to an organization like the NAACP and the great work that it has always done, uh, is it just feels right to me. Um, it, it really feels like I'm, I'm, um, I'm giving back, if you will, to our community that has given so much to the industry. And you're being modest saying you can't keep a job. But the fact is, I mean, there are a few people, especially black folks that have worked in so many different facets. You've been in business affairs, right? Theater management, yeah. you've done concert promotion, um, and you've been an executive uh, working everything from, you know, narrative television to sports, uh, network yeah. TV to the, um, the HBOs of the world. Yeah. So I'm sure <laughs> you know a thing or two about how we are portrayed and why we as black people are portrayed the way we are. Yeah, I think I think um, what was becoming clear to me as I was transitioning from one one opportunity to the next was that there was a there was a through line. There was a common thread that I saw time and time again in each situation. And, you know, once again, availing myself of the NAACP's resources um, and, and the, the longstanding uh, work that it has done in this area, what finally became apparent to me is actually the core purpose for why media exists in the first place. Most of us think it's for entertainment or maybe even news and information. Um, or to generate revenue. But at its core, the real purpose of media is to perpetuate a value system. Hmm. And in most instances, the value system that's being propagated is that of a dominant culture. Now, that certainly is not the case with this radio station, um, because this radio station has a mission actually to push against that, that tide. But uh, and, and that's possible because of ownership, of course, you know that. Exactly, exactly. But the predominant presence of media reflects the value systems of a dominant culture. And so as you look through the annals of time, and, you know, media 
by the way, media goes all the way back to hieroglyphics, right? Media is not just electronic images that you might see on a screen someplace, but any, any form of communication um, that, that transfers information from one to another uh, has to go through a channel. And that channel is a, is a form of media, no matter what it is. It could be a written letter. Um, so media has always served that purpose, and that's how we should, I think, uh, target our energies toward addressing the problems that we face because it is so influential. It affects how the outside world sees us, and it, and more insidiously, affects how we see ourselves. I want to circle back to what you first said, though. You, you're saying the purpose of, is not to make money. The purpose is to perpetuate a value system. And, you know, we've just come through this couple of strikes where it seems like the purpose is all about money. I mean, if we're in a capitalist system, shouldn't the end game be maximized profit, especially when you're in a sort of predatory capitalist phase that we seem to be in right now? Well, the most, num- the, the most numerous pieces on a chessboard are the pawns. <laughs> so, yes, we, we have labor disputes. We have, we have uh, people who sing and dance and entertain us. We have people who write and direct. And there are all kinds of people who are involved in the process, and each one of them, each one of those sectors, certainly has its primary objective, uh, either to express themselves or to be remunerated for expressing themselves in a very compelling way. But if you peel back all the layers of the onion, and I'm not even suggesting that the owners of the platforms are a cabal, I'm just saying that media <laughs> left to its own devices, <laughs> media left to its own devices, is, is, its purpose is to perpetuate a value system. And the dominant culture typically controls most of the voices that media uh, uh, allows access. So having seen kind of how we're portrayed in all from all of these different levels of the industry, which I think is really significant because when you start to see a pattern emerging and it's in the business level, the development uh, space, (laughs) the creative actor writer space. And, you know, I, I imagine that affirms this idea that you're talking about that we're perpetuating a dominant culture, which may not serve us. Right. So what do we do about it? Exactly. Um, this, so the, the NAACP has been in the fight. I don't want to call it a fight, but has been focused on media and, and the influence specifically of Hollywood ever since 1915 when D.W. Griffith put out Birth of a Nation. And we protested that film and tried to have it banned from movie theaters. And we were unsuccessful with that largely because the president, Woodrow Wilson, had it screened at the White House, first yeah. film ever screened there. Um, and it, that film uh, precipitated a, uh, an increase in the number of Ku Klux Klan members around the country. Even in the Midwest, everybody thinks that's a, that's a Southern phenomenon. But no, throughout the country, we saw their membership roles swell as, that, as a result of that film. And then, of course, so did the number of lynchings. Um, so we started to immediately see that there's a connection between how you portray us and how we're ultimately treated in society. Uh, and so since then, we've been focused on this subject and have had many campaigns since that have been successful. We had Amos and Andy taken off the air. We had Disney shut down Song of the South. 
we've been doing the Image Awards now for 55 shows. Um, we have had this Hollywood Bureau for 20 years. So we've been very, very concerted in our efforts. But this media guide that we just released is the first time that we've really put forward um, sort of a roadmap for how we fix this problem. Okay, and we're going to get into... In, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we'll, we'll, I just wanted to say we'll get into... I want to get into the specifics of that, how... You know what you're recommending, and how do you get that? How do you get people to pay attention to it, and really even, um, you know, use that guidance? We'll look at that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. power. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And I do appreciate uh, you waking up with me. Kyle Bowser is my guest. He is uh, the senior um, executive at the NAACP, senior vice president there at the Hollywood Bureau. The NAACP Image Awards are in his portfolio, but right now you're talking about guidance. Like, how do we make a difference? How do we get better portrayals of ourselves black people on the screens big and small and you guys after went working since 1915 <laughs> now have mm-hmm. have a guidebook so let's talk about what's in it what what are we looking for focusing well, on what we want well first of all it's it's a nearly 30 page document so it's very comprehensive in its analysis it it it, it reviews the history it reviews the psychosocial consequences of what goes on in media. Um, and, and it also calls our own community to task in suggesting that we have a role to play, that we have to be more discerning, discerning about what it is we expose ourselves to, um, and, and, and suggest that media literacy might be one of the solutions that helps us pull ourselves out of this situation as we become more literate and understanding of the power of media and the choices that we make with it. Hopefully we can make a difference for ourselves. However, the climactic moment of this, of this document is what we call the six imperatives for rendering black lives in media. And um, as I describe them to you, they may sound simplistic just by their title, but when applied to the process of, story development and, and story production and distribution and marketing, these six imperatives really become um, um, quite consequential. So the first one is, we just, as I've said already, we have to recognize media's role in perpetuating a social engineering scheme, that its, its real purpose is to, is to perpetuate a value system. The second one is to consider the existence and validity of different points of view. Now, that may sound simplistic, but if you are noticing that there is a preponderance of, of programming that reflects one sort of worldview and there's an absence of any alternative, then that might help to kind of get you to accept that there might be an, an engineering scheme in play. The third is acknowledge the history and subjugation that has produced a traumatized community in need of affirmation. Our circumstance didn't just happen. There were events throughout history that led us and, and, and left us where we are. And media needs to reflect 
that and be more dimensional in its depiction of our community. This, this next one, the fourth one, is, is critically important. Focus on the black community's reliance on self-sustaining protective factors. There's so much information in media that talks about the ills of our society, particularly with respect to our community, and not as much attention is paid to those things that have sustained us, whether they, are, whether they come from some official infrastructure or just the way that we take care of ourselves. Um, that needs to get more attention. Inclusion of authentic black storytelling produces a healthy outcome for the community and for the world. So we're looking for more black involvement in the development and the production and the marketing of the stories that reflect our community. And lastly, black contributors to mainstream culture deserve an equitable stake in the exploitation of their contributions. So, so much cultural contribution comes from our community, these precious assets that ultimately get gobbled up into this cauldron called mainstream culture. <laughs> and we don't, we don't tend to have an equitable stake in that. Like we have an equitable stake in our homes as we're paying for them over time. Our equity is accruing. Well, where's the accrual interest that we should have in this mainstream culture? So those are the, the six imperatives that we think must be uh, paid attention to and observed by the media as it's doing its business. Mm. Well, okay. So, I mean, you're right. Some of it sounds real basic, but we, we see things not happening um, that meet, that meet these standards. But also like, I don't even know if I'm, I'm just basing this on my own conversation, my own experience in the industry. I don't even know if executives and, and and people that can give green lights and make these kinds of decisions even know what the what the heck any of this means. You are absolutely right. You are one hundred percent right. I, as you said at the very beginning, I've been doing this a long time. I can probably <laughs> count on one hand the number of conversations that I've had with people in the industry about the social consequence of what we put on the air or what we put on screen or the music that we put out. There's a whole lot of conversation about the creative um, value of these things and or the economic value. Right. Where will it but, sell? Will it, will it, will it have international legs and all that right. convo right. that people are attracted, to keep us out? People are attracted to this industry because they want to express themselves. They want to be paid handsomely for those expressions. And I don't begrudge that. that I, and they want to be rich and famous. Let's not forget that. The fame part. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. But these images and these messages are far more powerful than, than a, a, a gun, let's say, or a bomb. Because what they do is they influence the mind. They influence perceptions and behaviors. And that filters its way into policy and lawmaking. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But, I mean, first of all, recognize the role of media. Um, I, do you think that, uh, how do you get someone to do that? Do you think that that, recognize the role of media in shaping society, not just society, but policies, which means laws? Um, are you, you know, are you meeting with studio heads and going over these? Are you, you know, <laughs> yes. you might be accused yes, of teaching fact. critical race theory if you do that. 
No, you know, we, we actually have uh, put together a, um, an advocacy group um, of executives across the industry, and I mean all the sectors, so film, television, music, publishing, video games, uh, the agencies, the guilds, all of that, executives who meet on a, on a biannual basis with us to talk about these kinds of issues and how they can take uh, our perspective back to their respective um, employers and, and, and have internal conversations about how they can make those adjustments. And so far, the, the group that we've assembled has been very supportive um, and, and listened intently. Sometimes they push back. They don't always agree with our perspective on things, but that's okay. So, yes, we've had those conversations as well as we're meeting with guild members, writers, um, actors. Um, they, have, they have affinity committees within their guilds. It represents all the stripes of the rainbow. Um, and they, too, are very interested in, in knowing how we can improve the industry as a whole. Mm. So it sounds like you feel like there is progress being made. Um, this idea of considering different point of views, how do, how do you teach that? How does that manifest? I mean, it seems to me you would need different eyeballs in the writer's room, you know, just like um, we see with the SAG, I was talking about earlier with the SAG uh, proposal, where now they're going to have actors have the ability to recommend to uh, <laughs> recommend people that can deal with their hair and makeup. And if they if the producer yes. can't provide it, then they get to um, use their own and get reimbursed that that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I mean, it sounds like it's not related, but I think it is because it's it means how do you bring those different points of view? How do you bring those different eyeballs, that cultural competency into the room? How do you mandate that? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting you would use that illustration because we actually have a program. We've we've already passed through a cohort of of students, if you call them that, um, who have gone through the hair and makeup training because there's a, you know, a different way do you apply hair and makeup when you're under cameras and lights and, and right. all that stuff. And so you, you, there's a special skill that you have to learn. And we've already had a program that helps people to understand how to do that. And now when the industry says, Hey, we'd love to have those folks, but we can't find them. We have a list for them now. And we're going to keep that program going. Um, but your larger question about how do you get people to, at least accept that there's other points of view. The first thing we should all do, when we walk into a room and everyone in that room looks and sounds like us, we should ask the question, why is this? We should ask, why aren't there other points of view in this room? And, and I think in media, there's a purpose behind why some of those rooms look and sound the way they do. Um, and they should be asking that question of, of themselves. And so, when I'm able to get my program on the air or on the screen, and there are other programs that look a lot or feel a lot like the stories that I'm telling, that suggests that there's a, there's a trend there. And there are other perspectives that are absent from the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We should be asking the question why. But are we the ones that should be asking? I mean, it's the dominant group that has this problem. And how do you mandate? Only got a minute and a half here before news, traffic, and sports. But how do you mandate or put, you know, it's like the Supreme Court and their little flimsy ethics code that they're putting forth. How do you put teeth in that, Kyle Bowser? It's tough. You just chip away as best you can. The NAACP is doing its part with these guidelines and all the meetings that we do and by putting forward the image awards and, and other things that hope to counterbalance 
what has been going on for centuries, but we just have to try. Yeah. And I, and I think providing the guidance is a start, but I'm just, you know, I'm looking at it and you say, oh, well, it's not rocket science to see that there's one point of view here. Um, it does seem to be getting right. a slightly bit better, partly because, in my opinion, like streamers are trying to expand <laughs> who they reach. Right. So they have to have, oh, well, how are we going to get, you know, these all of these East Indian subscribers? I know. You right, know, uh, Indian <laughs> right. weddings, which you know, it's a show I really liked, but or Indian matchmaking <laughs> or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's that, it. but again, that's economics driving, driving change. It is not um, ethics or um, equity, equality, no, I know you justice. Go. I... No, no. Well, you, well, we have to go, but we will continue uh, after news, traffic, and sports. I know you got something strong when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive KBLA Talk 1580. Talking with uh, Kyle Bowser. And, you know, we were just about to get you were just about to get into it i was pointing out that what's driving change in my opinion right now in the way black people are portrayed is economics versus ethics or morals or even you know what's best creatively of course kyle bowser senior vice president of the hollywood bureau of the naacp but a long time uh, producer you know executive and creative in the space and you were about to say <laughs> you are absolutely correct, and we are always correct, but we focus on the economics of circumstances because largely that is what drives particularly life in America. However, there is a factoid that I think is important, and I think it's very, very illustrative of, of our earlier discussion. Uh, the NAACP is not the only organization that's looking at this issue, obviously. McKinsey and Company, the reputable consulting organization, um, they did a report about two years ago and concluded that Hollywood leaves $10 billion on the table annually because of its refusal to fully embrace the power of black storytelling and the audiences that crave it. Now, this is an industry that doesn't leave a dime on the table. <laughs> Every nook and cranny is monetized in any way it's possible. So why would this industry on an annual basis forfeit $10 billion worth of revenue? And I think that is the evidence, that's the smoking gun that demonstrates that there's something else that's even more important than money. And that is preserving and perpetuating a value system that maintains a certain status quo, a certain social order, an, an a, 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 um, an environmental scheme, if you will. So that's what I wanted to say in response to what you asked earlier. I mean, and just as black Americans are always number one, terribly, on the, you know, hate crime attack list, we're clearly denigrated, you know, most consistently in Hollywood, but we're not the only ones. I mean, I look at the portrayal of indigenous Native American peoples, horrifying and also tiny, um, Arab Americans are pretty much non-existent or, you know, and when they are, they're stereotypes. So it, it can't just be our dollars that they're leaving on the table. 
But the other part of that, what you just said is, if we were to really be accurate and authentic about our storytelling, those lines that divide the various communities would probably be erased. The relationship between the people we call black and the people we call Arab or the people we call Asian or the people we call Latino or so on and so forth, we would have a much more informed understanding of the kinship between those communities as opposed to, oh, each one of these is a different group of people with their own plight. I mean, but they are. I mean, you know, I understand what you're saying. If we if we have more understanding and more knowledge, we're going to interact uh, in better ways. But the fact is, you know, we do have different nationalities, ethnicities, cultures, um, you know, and and um, religions, and they do play a and factor. And our appreciation for those differences is primarily driven by media. That's my point. What do you that mean by exactly our appreciation for the differences? I mean, it, it's still that we cling to that we cling to, and I, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody, but that we cling to our individual um, membership affiliation and the history uh, and the subjugation that that goes along with that that we cling to that is largely the result of media perpetuating a, a certain narrative. I mean, I, I feel that, like we'd be celebrating our culture, whether they had their narrative or not. No, but I, I wonder if our culture would be defined more broadly. Yeah. Well, you could definitely make that argument. You could definitely, I mean, you could definitely make that argument. We only made it to uh, <laughs> your two out of your six crucial things. So maybe I need to speed up a little bit. Acknowledge the trauma and the history. You're talking about on the screen or off the screen. And some would say we're acknowledging the trauma too much. The people that say, ah, I don't want to see another slave movie. Right. And we're also denying that certain subjects are even worthy of school, school curriculum. So true. true. We have to. We have to at least find a baseline for what is truth, right? We had a president that once said, "There's, there's, you know, alternative facts," and that might be the case. It's not. But, well, no, that is not the case, right? <laughs> Sorry, but what there are, I'm not going but, there with you. <laughs> no, there is no alternative facts, but there are alternative truths, and because of media's core purpose, we are filtering out certain truths. And allowing other truths to be uh, dominant in the narrative. Mm. So um, I, back to the question: you, so When you talk about acknowledging trauma and history, you're talking about on screen, or you're talking about executives and corporations acknowledging it as part of um, the process I, of making creative right. products. So I, I think I don't know if it's the chicken and the egg. I think if the people behind the scenes were to be uh, more open to the truths that have been missing, then what you see on the screen would probably be more reflective of those truths. We've got, we've got to get people who are involved in the process to expand their consciousness and allow for alternative points of view to be seen and heard. Self, um, Focus on black uh, community self-reliance, on self-sustaining aspects of the black community. Again, you're talking about the content that makes it to screens, big and small, and other forms of media. 
um, that somehow we would influence the content of that, the makeup of that that, that, uh, creative material? that, That we are still here is such a testament to our resiliency, right? And too often what media wants to do is focus on the things that are, that are um, detrimental. Right. The victimization, the degradation, the poverty, the, um, right. Right. The losses. But even in the absence, but even in the absence of official infrastructure, let's say governmental support or whatever, whatever, whatever is supposed to undergird our community, even in the absence of that, we have figured out a way for ourselves to keep going and to, and to fill those voids with our own version of infrastructure. When Mrs. Johnson came out of the house and told you, now you kids know you have no, no business doing that, and she had no relationship to those kids, that was, that was ingrained in our culture. You're talking so about more, more projects fo- focusing on church and focusing on... Um... Not necessarily church, but just the, the, just the, the redemptive and positive energies that our community has always generated and again i'm not sure how you mandate this but like you said you pointed out some people um you say inclusion uh of of creatives and that is has been the main focus of a lot of critique of hollywood not enough black writers in the room not enough executives decision makers Right. There's quite a bit of research that, that demonstrates that even get back to the economics, projects tend to be more successful when they are um, produced by diverse hands in the mix. So the more you include people as storytellers or marketers uh, or executives um, who have alternative points of view, alternative lived experiences, the more those projects then resonate with a more diverse consumer base and make those projects more successful. But again, that mitigates against what we're saying the core purpose is, which is to perpetuate a a different status quo. And so that's what the fight is. Mm. When we come forward, I want to talk about there's the final point of these six um, and the role of things like the NAACP Image Awards, of which you are the uh, director, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. And we're talking with Kyle Bowser. Uh, He spent many years as an entertainment executive, writer, producer, pretty much every aspect of the business, um, but is now the Senior Vice President of the Hollywood Bureau of the NAACP, which includes um, the NAACP Image Awards production overseeing that. Um, Before we jump to that, though, you said point number six, contributors deserve equity. Um, It sounds like a 118-day strike we just spent talking about that. Um, And certainly the conversation about AI levels that up, but... How do you, other than joining a union and going on strike, how do you ensure that? Well, first of all, let me, let me define contributors in this context. So if you rounded up all the black folks that work in the Hollywood system, uh, I'm talking you know, actors, writers, camera people, uh, makeup artists, executives, on and on and on. I don't know how many people that would be, 
tens of thousands, I guess, they are mere proxies on behalf of the 42 million of us who are actually the generators of culture. Okay. So when we use the word contributors in this context, we're talking about the masses of black folk who every day generate cultural assets Mm. that are then extracted and monetized by some other folk. And the question is, what's the give back? What equity interest does the community have in, in this exploitation of its culture? You know, I, you, you talked about my previous work experiences. <clears throat> I was at Fox in the early 90s when this new wave of quote-unquote urban entertainment started to take shape. And the, and the network was largely built on the popularity of this, this new form of entertainment, if you will. Um, folk were just infatuated with what was coming out of our community. They hadn't seen this before, and they embraced it. And we've gotten to the place now where our culture is on the screen even when we're not in the frame. So we have to be very mindful of this extraction process, and we have to put up safeguards. I mean, you're talking about monetizing cultural appropriation, which sounds great, but how do you even do that? Um, And you know what? Let, Let me make this distinction. I don't know that it always comes down to a monetary equity stake. Okay. Equity can can. Equity can come in different forms. Let's look at the film Black Panther. All of us were walking around with our chest poked out for about six months, you know, with a cross across. We take our arms and cross our chest because we were just so welled up with pride because of what we had seen in that film, the description of this utopian uh, black space that hadn't been infiltrated. It was pristine. That's a form of equity. Now, Disney made a ton of money, and and Ryan Coogler and others, God bless them, they made a ton of money, and they should have. But they left something on the table, at least in the form of pride. So we've got to look for ways to compensate for the extraction of these cultural assets. Yep. Um... Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I, we, we've seen it in TikTok where, you know, it's the dance move. So I, I feel you there's lots of different ways to get equity, but I think uh, money and, in, and community investment is, is a really important way for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got programs at the NAACP that are designed specifically for that. And, but you uh, wanted to talk about the Image Awards as Yeah, the well, Image right? Awards. I mean, what role does something like the Image Awards play? And certainly the Image Awards do nominate things that are not necessarily burnishing <laughs> the image of black folks or, you know, hitting all six of these or even one or two of these things. Uh, at the same time, it's a place where we can get recognized and where we can, you know, exist. So what? how do you see the role? Here's the important thing, I think, to think about when, when you look at the Image Awards. It is not the a black award show, right? It is not an award show that is exclusively for black folks or for people of color. Even though that's in the title NAACP. Yeah. Yeah. But what it is, (laughs) like any other award show, it is a recognition of excellence in arts as seen through the lens of this particular cohort. So if you watch the Academy Awards, the Oscars, or if you watch the Emmys or the Tonys or the Grammys or any other, what you're seeing is a recognition of artistic excellence 
as seen through the lens of that particular cohort. And so that's what the Image Awards is. And what happens is people make submissions in hopes that what they have put on film or on wax resonates with those who are judging our awards. All right, we're talking with Kyle Bowser. When we come forward, we are going to get calls to action. I know you can join the NAACP. Maybe we can be part of changing, improving the portrayals of black folks on screens, big and small, and even on microphones, big and small. It's KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. The conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now. Dominique DePrima on First Things First. Things first. Kyle Bowser is my guest this hour, and I thank you for spending the hour with us. He's Senior Vice President of the Hollywood Bureau of the NAACP. What are our calls to action as the KBLA delegation? We got a lot of change makers and people that want to make moves to make things better. What should we be focused on? The only thing you have to do is contact us at NAACP.org. And we have people available who will help you with anything that you want to do, any, any contribution you want to make. If you want to roll up your sleeves and get busy with us, we would love to have you join our efforts. So people can join the organization. They could volunteer. And, um, they as can share an opinion. Ah, okay. <laughs> they, can, they can share an opinion that we perhaps haven't considered. Right. Back to those getting those different points of view in the room. And then as far as these um, this handbook, these guidelines for how uh, to portray how to handle black folks on screens, big and small. How are we how can we help disseminate this? How can we access the information ourselves? Oh, oh, I'm so glad you asked this. Well, first of all, thank you for for having me on today. This this helps. This helps to spread the word. But again, if you go to NAACP.org, you can find this document. And I would invite everyone to peruse it for themselves. Um, We don't mind going back into the document and making some changes. So if you find something that you disagree with or you want to add to and you you provide that information to us, we'll take a look at it and and consider finding a way to to have it inserted into the document. So NAACP.org. It's all back to the website, NAACP.org. We got another 60 seconds here. Kyle Bowser, what would you leave us with? Uh, Again, thank you. Thank you, uh, Tavis, uh, for even creating this forum for us to have these kinds of conversations. Uh, our, Our job here in the Hollywood space really is just the other side of a coin that, that has to do with policymaking, uh, lawmaking. If we can shape hearts and minds and influence perceptions and behaviors, that will filter its, itself into the way our society is governed um, and hopefully make life better for all of us. And as we know, these images are not just contained here domestically, they travel globally, and we really have to look at it from a global perspective in, in terms of how we go about fixing this problem. Kyle Bowser, thanks so much for joining me. NAACP.org. While you're visiting websites, stop by KBLA uh, 1580. You know, I, I, the quote is back. I told you the quote is back today. I'm leaving you with my favorite Maya Angela quote. She says, Maya Angelo, she says, We may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. 
Tavis Smiley's up next. He's got a stellar week on tap with some big names coming through around here, so you don't want to miss that. Please talk to me on all the social media, KBLA1580, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, streaming on YouTube, and find me at Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then Radio. And uh, please like, subscribe, and comment while you're there. History's now, and we are making it together. I'm Dominique Taprima. Until tomorrow, one love.